Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today we are talking to Mark Austin, who donned the Boba Fett mask for the Star Wars A New Hope Special Edition. From his time as an animator at ILM, to giving back to the fan community and what he wants from a Boba spinoff movie, we go through it all. So this is Talking Bay 94, Episode 12, Mark Austin. Thank you for joining us today at Talking Bay 94. Uh, Today we are joined by Mr. Mark Austin, who not only was an animator for the special editions, but also portrayed Boba Fett in the very famous Docking Bay 94 scene in A New Hope, our, our namesake, actually. So uh, with that being said, Mr. Austin, thank you so much for, for taking the time today to, to talk to us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So before you even got involved with Star Wars, I, I understand that you were already a big Star Wars fan and also a big Boba Fett fan. Maybe talk to us initially about your first experience with the saga. Uh, well, my first experience with the saga goes back to when I was like 11 years old, so... Mm-hmm. It was, it was, you know, back in the days when there wasn't, you know, live streaming or videos or rentals. If you want to see a movie, you had to line up and see at the theater. And so I latched on to Boba Fett as a, as a character that I identified with very early on. I think because in school I was a, a bit of a, a loner and I, I loved the uh, spaghetti westerns, um, you know, the man with no name, mm-hmm. and identified with that bounty hunter character. And suddenly there was a bounty hunter in this brand new Star Wars franchise that, that just swept me off my feet. And so that's, I, I'd fallen in love with the character just on the description of the character before I even saw how cool his, you know, costume was. And so it literally was love at first sight between me and Boba Fett. <laughs> and so that was the weird thing is that back in those days when there was this, you had to mail in all your proofs of purchases from mm-hmm. uh, the Palatoy action figures. And my the only thing I had to you know fuel my kind of young 13-year-old mind was the the picture I had of this character. You know, I had the action figure but the backdrop of A New Hope. And so it's so weird that my role in Star Wars is as this character in the backdrop of New Hope, when that was all I had as my, you know, fuel for my imagination at 13 years old. So it's the most uncanny, weird, surreal kind of circle. It kind of goes full circle and comes back to when I was young again. But, you know, playing that role uh, in New Hope was, uh, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have foreseen that as a kid because, you know, back then there weren't such things as directors' editions of movies. There weren't special editions or re-releases. Some people say, was that a dream come true? But it never was a dream because (laughs) those things didn't happen. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's such a weird, weird... It's so weird the way it turned out. And everyone, you know, that visits my house is thinks that my whole collection is because of being in moving. No, it's, I was obsessed with this character for decades before, you know, stepping into the suit. So it literally is kind of like, you know, it literally is a dream come true, but a dream that I never would have conjured, you know, because it's so surreal. I would, I would never have predicted that to happen. It's the it's the will of the force, right? That's all that is. Yeah, <laughs> it is the will of the force. The force <laughs> brought me to uh, 
through that kind of uh yeah so the journey the journey to being boba fett first comes with you being both at ilm and and before so maybe talk a little bit about your journey as an animator and kind of what excited you about even just having that as a job well just working for lucas was kind of like you know uh another dream come true i've I've definitely had all my my bucket list dreams crossed off, you know, for the most outrageous dreams I might have in my lifetime. But um, I was a traditional animator, you know, pencil and paper, working in commercials in England. And I got to travel a lot around Europe, but I never once did go to America. And uh, towards the end of the job, the, the, the studio I worked at, it was closing up. The owners were retiring, and so everyone was kind of everyone knew that they were going to be uh, searching for work very soon. And a friend of mine, who's a huge ILM buff, he went to see a, a lecture by uh, a couple of the guys from uh, ILM about how they did the effects in Jurassic Park. And he mm. called me afterwards and said that they were looking for animators. And I said, Steve, you know, I don't know the first thing about computers. I don't know. I, I can't even work my secondary functions on my pocket calculator. There's no way they're going to want me. And he goes, no, they want animators to train in the software because it takes 10 weeks to learn the software as opposed to the other way around, which was the way they traditionally had it, where they would have technical guys that were computer savvy learn animation. They said, you know, this way around is much quicker so they definitely would like to see you and here's their hotel phone number so i I gave them a call at the hotel and met up with them showed my portfolio showed my reel a couple of months later i was living and working in california as i say that was a dream come true just working at ilm because you know i i was a huge fan of everything that they'd done I, i was aware of their history so actually working there and being part of ILM was uh, a huge honor. And I've always, I I still think that I'm going to end up back there at one point in my career Mm -hmm. down the road. Probably ILM London, if I get my dream come true. What what movies did you work on before A New Hope and before the special editions? There's only one movie I worked on before New Hope, and that was the one I got hired for, and that was Casper. Mm. Yeah, that was the... They sent me a, an email which was name dropping, saying, you know, Steven Spielberg, producer, like I needed to be, you know, <laughs> convinced, convinced yeah. to sign this piece of paper. So um, that was the only movie I worked on prior to New Hope. And when it was coming to a conclusion, there was all these rumors saying that New Hope was finally, finally, finally going to get a, a kickstart because, you know, they've been talking about re-releasing or starting on the prequels for you know so many, so many years they, they said which was really kind of uh, worrying they said that there's only two animator positions uh, that were going to come up for new hope and i was like oh damn it you know, i'm the new guy i'm never going to get on that gig and i guess they liked the work i did on casper because it they put me straight onto New Hope as the only person, the only animator. They basically said all these spaceships are going to be done overseas by John Knoll, who was currently supervising Mission Impossible at that time. Mm-hmm. So he was going to supervise Mission Impossible by day. Of the evening, create all the spaceship effects, the spaceship, spaceship shot, the New Hope. And then my role was purely for anything living, like anything, any creatures, uh, any robots, anything that was um, ground-based. But any, anything flying was going to be John. And so I, I was a tiny bit disappointed that I was not going to animate an X-Wing fighter. But the only, the only thing I didn't touch was Jabba. That was uh, Steve Williams. And at one point, he... Uh, 
he asked me if I would take it over. <laughs> There's no way I wanted to touch Java. It's like, what's wrong with the original Java? You know, the original Java is real. Right. Why are we, why are we even going this route? It's right. a waste of time. That's the only element that I, I didn't animate. Uh, otherwise, anything that was uh, a, a creature, scurriers, rontos, jawas, stormtroopers, uh, that was all my responsibility on that show. That's too cool. So then the call came out. I understand it was kind of just a casting call internally just for stormtroopers initially. So yeah. how did you, you... You immediately just put your hat in the ring. <laughs> if you get that email, you just send it right back. All right, here you go. Like, Oh, I responded immediately. I said, sign me up. And But I was worried that I wasn't tall enough because I was five, I'm five foot ten, ten and a half. And I didn't know whether they want tall, you know, because of the whole height restriction on stormtroopers. I don't right. know if that was a real thing or not, but I was sure I might be on the borderline. But I put my name in the hat, and when I got a call back from Don Bees, who'd sent the email out, I was thinking he was going to tell me that I was one of the people chosen. Mm-hmm. And so grabbed the phone, picked it up, and he said, uh, he said, oh, actually, you know, we had such a response. We have a ton of people that have offered. And I was like, oh, damn it, that means I'm not. Mm-hmm. And then he turned around and said, well, there is one character that we are thinking about having someone dress up in, but you're going to have to come along and try the suit on. I don't want you building your hopes up. Obviously, I kind of latched onto who he was talking about immediately because he knew my obsession. It literally was, I always call it the, uh, it's like the, the Cinderella moment, the, the, the slipper, but instead of a slipper, it's the flight suit that everything attaches to. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you know, if you don't fit the flight suit, then we're going to have to let somebody else do this. And so it was a nerve-wracking lunchtime. I think <laughs> I went down either the following lunchtime or one very soon, as soon as I could. Mm-hmm. Just zipping that fly suit up was like, oh, that was like the dream come true part for me. Because everything that followed was because of that zip reaching my neckline without, you know, uh, any hitch. We we talked to we talked to Mr. Bees a few weeks ago about his his journey as well, and he he's great. But that's your that's your brother under the the helmet. After yeah. all that, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's too funny. And 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 had I known that, had I known they were gonna, because when I left ILM, th- at that time they were only going to do a special edition of New Hope. They they didn't have any plans for uh, Empire Strikes Back. They had no plans for Return of the Jedi. Right. And had I known they were going to work on those other two, I probably would have stuck around. Mm-hmm. And if I'd known they were going to put Boba into Jedi, I would definitely have stuck around because. <laughs> My leaving ILM was a, one of the hardest lifetime decisions that I've ever faced because mm-hmm. Disney were calling, Disney were calling and calling and calling, and uh, it sounded like a, a dream come true that they were offering me a job. I said, but I, I loved working at ILM. I had no, I had no problem. I didn't want to leave, and it just got to a point where their offers were just so ridiculously. I, I just couldn't say no at one point. On hindsight, I always. Wonder if I did make the right decision leaving ILM because I I loved working for the company so much. Right. But uh, I'm glad that Don jumped into the the suit, and <laughs> he got enough stick for you know the whole you know the the whole chin thing you know. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm glad I'm glad that I've I've my my thumbprint on the trilogy. Yeah, I'm happy with 
my contribution and and yeah it continues to this day with spin-off uh, work from that so we'll, de- we'll definitely talk about that because that that is just a kind of a, an exciting aspect to your uh, involvement with the character but i would love to talk just for a moment about the actual shoot day so so the day that you actually shot uh, kind of how was it presented to you and and what was that situation like well it was it was a weekday obviously mm-hmm. and so I had to go to Casper Production and ask if I could miss a day of work. <laughs> and so they said, you know, not only can you miss a day of work, but we'll pay you for the day as well. There were I, I, I had really good relations with the production on Casper because I did a lot of the um, the trailer shots. They're kind of like the key trailer shots. Mm-hmm. So the, I was, I was in, in good with the production crew. And so they said, yeah, we'll pay you for the day and have fun and, you know, and tell us what it's like afterwards. <laughs> so this was, uh, I believe it was December 6th was the day. And they split the day up into two halves. The morning was going to be the opening shot of where I just have to walk in from off screen and stop. Mm-hmm. The afternoon was going to be the more complicated shot where I had a start position I had to walk to a second position, stop, turn, and walk to a third position, all without looking at those marks on the floor. Not that you can see much anyway, but that's how they divided the, 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 the day up. And so I remember when I f- first went f- for the morning shoot, they had a problem with the silhouette for the rifle, the, the blaster. Mm-hmm. And Steve Williams, who uh, animated uh, Jabba the Hutt, was actually directing the live-action shoot. Steve had a problem with the silhouette, and so I'd been practicing and, and studying how uh, Jeremy Bullock walked in uh, in a best spin and looking at the kind of the head turns as he turned corners, and the pace he walked at, um, the kind of the menacing kind of gait that he used. And so when Steve had a problem with the rifle, he was saying, no, you have to hold it at this really awkward angle. Imagine if you, instead of walking the normal way you walk, that you twisted your upper body 45 degrees to the side and then cranked your arms around as far as they could go. That's that's how I had to walk onto the set, but make it look like that's how I always walked or that was a, a casual, comfortable way to walk. Because cranking your my body around and then my arms over gave me a really good silhouette for that blaster sticking outside. I always imagined it to be a disaster, this shot, this opening shot, because it just felt so awkward. I felt like I was trying my best to appear comfortable walking this way, but it, was, it wasn't like any, anything I'd ever done before. And I'm, I'm amazed at how it turned out. It turned out fine. At the time, just walking it and walking and walking it, I was more and more convinced that this shot was messed up. Uh, as it turned out, it was fine. And the afternoon shoot was by far way more fun to do. Just having a piece of tape on the blue screen that was meant to be Harrison Ford's eyeline was just like, wow, I feel like a somehow connected to the original movie, you know, to Harrison Ford, you know. We've got some connection, albeit a piece of tape on the blue screen. And everyone everyone would, would say, why are you looking at camera in that shot? And I, I'm not looking at camera, I'm looking as far as I can to my left. But obviously, you can only turn your head so far around and then your eyes do the rest. So my eyes are looking screen left, but the T-vires are lying straight up with camera. Mm. And this was the 11th take, and George just like fell in love with that take. He was like, this is the one. I don't care about the rest. This is the one. This is the one I want. Mm. 
this is this is in the movie and so they rejected all the other takes and just went for that end one uh-huh. but he loved the fact that it looked like i was looking at the, the camera <laughs> and so yeah it's he a very george it, so. thing to love yeah that's so funny that was that was this, that whole day was kind of fuzzy i think mainly because of the adrenaline and the, mm-hmm. you know just the excitement and the surrealism of being in that situation for real and wow this is actually happening this isn't something that could happen we're shooting it and this is going to be in the movie it's just it, it, that day was a huge kind of uh, emotional day yeah uh, for that reason i wish my i wish i we had the uh, you know the we the technology we have now so that i could have recorded more of it i could mm-hmm. have had someone record it there was somebody taking pictures for the morning mm-hmm. and george said oh we don't need you for the afternoon and <laughs> waved them off yeah but i know that there's somewhere in the archives a, a whole reels of film for for that shoot i've been trying to get it for years but one day yeah it'll come out they'll do some deluxe super special edition with all nine episodes and it'll be on there right it'll it'll be yeah 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 fingers crossed uh so after it came out and after you saw yourself on screen as boba uh, what has it been like since kind of interacting with fans or interacting with the other Bobas and kind of joining this camaraderie and this very exclusive club of, of people? Well, for I'd say for, I mean, this happened, this was shot back in 1994, which is kind of weird because it document 94, everything was 94. Mm-hmm. But for at least 20 years, nothing happened. Like It was like I, I knew I'd done it. My my family knew I'd done it. My close friends knew I'd done it, but that was all. Nobody nobody knew, or nobody seemed to really care beyond the people I I knew. And so it's only the last maybe the last kind of five six years that suddenly people have taken an interest and said, "Oh, you're, you're you were in the suit. We want to talk to you." It's only been recently that that those doors have opened. But for the longest time, I I was sure that I was going to go to my grave knowing that I was Boba Fett and nobody else did or would because it was uh, they were they, you know if they wanted to talk to Boba Fett they would contact Jeremy or they talk to John right. Morn or you know talk to Dickie Beers and they were the three kind of go-tos and so um, I was I was way down on the, the totem pole and didn't expect to be on a stage with those guys and it was only last year in 2017 that I did appear on the stage with Jeremy and Dickie Beers and uh, Alan Harris, who was the, the prototype. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, yeah, and so sharing the stage with those three guys was yeah. It, that was that, it was like the the first shoot for you know excitement factor and adrenaline and just for like childhood fantasies. It was like well these are my heroes. I said that on the stage. I said I felt like completely honoured to be sharing the stage with these right. three guys. That was last year, and and now it seems to be. Uh, I have a Mexico City Comic Con this Friday to go to. It's an unboxing convention, but it seems more and more people are, are pinging me for. Can you appear here? And can you? Yeah, of course. I mean, in a in a movie series of iconic characters, Boba is probably him and Vader are the two most iconic people in the entire series, and so people gravitate towards just the character and of, of course your appearance as him in, in the special edition i'm so glad that you were finally able to kind of meet everyone else that's been boba and kind of 
partaken in that. I know that you've you've also spent some time giving back to the fans a little bit. Especially the thing that I loved the most is is your fan film series that you've done. I believe with the Bubble Fett Fan Club. I was I was having uh, I've been a, a long time friend of Aaron Proctor. He 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 created the Bubble right. Fett Fan Club website. We were just having some margaritas in a in a barn next to where I was working at the time. And he was talking about the Flash animated series, Boba Fett series, kind of, you know, Boba Fett transmitting from Slave mm-hmm. One, that he was, you know, he totally loved. But he would like to maybe make a live-action version of. So I was like, well, let's let's, let's make one, see how much of a pain it, it is to make one, and then, you know, consider maybe doing more. And so it literally was drinks over margaritas that, that spawned the idea. And... So we, we did, we actually shot three, uh, actually here where I'm, where I'm sitting right now, we shot three at Whisper Films, and when we looked at them, Aaron's first reaction was, oh, these are too long. We need to do something that's like under mm-hmm. a minute. So we sat on them, we didn't release them, and we scheduled for a sh- another four to be shot, much shorter, and they're the, they're the first ones we released. And one of the first comments out was, these are fine, but we'd like longer ones. So... <laughs> We end up, yeah, so it's like, oh, we didn't have to worry all that time. Uh, But we had, you know, we had a whole bunch ready to uh, release, and we just decided upon uh, every other Monday release um, and to see how far this would go. And it carried on and on, and we got such a great response that we, uh, you know, got fuel to do more. And in the end, and made 22 of them. So we made a complete season of uh, No Disintegrations. And, uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that at some point we get together and, and make a season two. Of course. But yeah, it seems so. I think, well, I think Aaron's waiting for. It just takes one spark to have this kind of, uh, you know, ignite and become viral. And I think uh, mm-hmm. at that point, that's when he'll decide. You know, yeah, this is something we should we need to do. But uh, it was so much fun doing that. It was so much fun just getting together and trying to create something. It's, it's very hard to come up with humor that fits Boba Fett. You don't want to take the humor too far because right. it's Boba Fett. You don't want to take too much away from him, but it's a fine line. We, we, we found that we had to, a very narrow bandwidth with which we could kind of exercise that kind of humor side to right. bounty hunting. But um, I think we did a, I think we did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. How can fans watch that um, if they wanted to check it out? Um, actually, the website, the Boba Fett website, they have mm-hmm. uh, the, the series all there. I think it's under the .tv, um, medicinesintegrations.tv. Perfect. It. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch. And they're also, I mean, as you kind of mentioned, they're just quick, a little funny, comedic looks into Boba Fett's life. And they're just kind of a, a nice refresher to, to the content. Plus, Boba Fett himself is, is portrayed by Boba Fett. So it's perfect. Yeah, yeah and we, we started off using my uh, costume, which I, I put together in 2004, and it was in a sad, you know, desperately need of repair. And so mm-hmm. the first few we, we used my suit for, and then we very quickly uh, grabbed a, a friend of ours who's you know much more into the cosplay, mm-hmm. um, Rod, and we, we recruited him to kind of be uh, the costumer. And then suddenly the costume kind of evolves very quickly into something which looks much more screen-worthy than what we started with. So. 
Uh, and then on Instagram, you were teasing a little bit about um, an Obi Wan costume that you have for a potential fan film. Are you able to talk at all about what might be in the works? Yeah. Uh, well, was, I was thinking of doing something similar with, with Obi Wan, but right. I, I think what we're going to do is we're going to make a, I think like a, a fake trailer. Oh, That's cool. what we're going to do. So it's just, it's just a fake trailer, just for the fun of it. Yeah, well, because this is what I, I do as a job I do right now is less animation and more previous where I, I, I work on the sequences of a movie that are very expensive. So I figured I'd previous or work out this, this trailer and then you know, maybe we go and shoot it and you know, see yeah. what comes out. I mean, so, I mean, that's the Kenobi spinoff. What do you think about the rumored Boba spinoff that they've been kind of talking about off and on? Well, the the Boba spinoff, uh, I have mixed feelings about, and only because it's the same thing as when I was talking about the humor. It's that you, I, I wanted to be very careful with the humor. Uh, I thought series was a bit too directed towards fans that only knew, you know, Boba Fett. I, I wanted it to be a bit more general, and towards the end, we started to get becoming a bit more general with our humor by making it something more around the films but when i was at the london film and comic con somebody asked me what my feelings were about this boba fett spin-off rumor and as much as i'd love to see a boba fett movie i'm equally as worried that they will do the character justice Mm -hmm. in that you know he he is a a man of mystery he is he has got mystery surrounding him so I, i would hate for the movie to destroy the mystery I'm, I'm hoping you know it, it, it's any any character you feel strongly about. Like you know when uh, when Logan came out, I was really hoping that it would fulfill my Wolverine desires, you know, just on the screen, and it did, right. it totally did. So when when I hear the rumor that he might be picking up the Beaufort movie, yeah. I'm less worried. At the same time, I, I just I'm just worried that we're going to see too much of Boba Fett. Like that, we're going to. I don't want anything to be lost from everything that's been built through not knowing too much, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the kind of the mystery of Boba Fett is what makes him Boba Fett. So as long as it's done properly, and, you know, so far I've been completely uh, blown away with, you know, the Han Solo movie, I thought was amazing. Um, if this can follow that route and do the character justice, at the same time providing a really good story and making him even more awesome then I'll be I'll be happy. You and me both. And yeah. if I would what I would love to is just Boba Fett walking into a cantina and there is is all the actors who have been behind the mask, you know, all kind of hanging out together, you and Mr. Bullock and Dickie Beers yeah. and everyone just kinda of, that would be that would be the cherry on top as well. So. I was trying. I was trying to get that message to Kathleen Kennedy. Say, cause I spoke to Jeremy and Dickie and Alan, mm-hmm. and I said I told them that idea, and they're all for it. So if we could have just the, just in the background, just you know, both walks past a, a table where there's a group of guys, you know, sitting around, but it's us lot. That would be an amazing, amazing tribute. To uh, and I think the fans would love that stuff. So speaking for myself, I would I would love it. So we'll we'll pray and we'll we'll hope for the best there. Yeah, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Austin, uh, thank you so much for for taking the time with us to talk to us. Uh, I w- how would fans, if they wanted to follow you on Instagram or on Twitter, where could they find you and and where might you be next? You mentioned unboxing, but um, they can find me on. Uh, I always go by Boba Fett 
AMHSE, right. which is Boba Fett, a new hope special edition, just all one. Uh, they can find me on Instagram and on Twitter. You know, I welcome followers and, and try to give back to the fans as much as I can. And as far as future, uh, like I said, there might be a, I'm hoping for a season two for mm-hmm. no disintegrations. Yeah, and uh, I'm also uh, appearing in uh, another film, uh, which I, I can't give too many you know, details mm-hmm. about. As Boba Fett. Oh, wow. That's all I can tell you. Okay. But if uh, as as that develops, I, I can probably give some more information. Perfect. Well, we can't wait. <laughs> so we can't wait to see him. Yeah, that's going to be so great. So with that, thank you again so much for taking the time. And it was so great catching up with you and, and hearing your Star Wars story. Oh, my, my pleasure. It was great to meet you guys. Thank you again to Mr. Austin for talking with us about his time in the Star Wars universe. For more information about the No Disintegration series with the Boba Fett fan club, check out nodisintegrations.tv. Be sure to follow Mr. Austin on Twitter and Instagram by searching Boba Fett, A-N-H-S-E. We have an incredible lineup of interviews for the next few weeks that I can't wait to share with you all, but until then, stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the Force be with you.